What's going on gamers? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer and thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Graveyard Gaming, which guys, I can't think of anything else to talk about but The Last of Us. Why? Because last night on The Last of Us Day, we actually seen our first photo of Joel and Ellie. I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about my stack graveyard shift because it's actually pretty packed. A lot of cool games in there. So with that being said, Let's sit there. Let's talk about The Last of Us. What do I want from The Last of Us? What I hope we don't see on this show? And I'm even going to throw in there what I'd like to see if and when we ever see The Last of Us 3. With that being said, gamers, let's jump on in. All right, gamers, I got to be honest with you. Going into this week, I had no idea what I was going to cover because nothing in the news really stuck out to me. It's something I want to talk about. At the same time, nothing in my personal gaming experience really made me go, Ooh, I need to make a topic out of this. Now, it was a good friend of mine, Hulking Yoda, over at the show right here on Anchor called Lost at Sea Gaming. Great podcast. He actually suggested it to me. He said, hey, man, they just released the picture of Joel and Ellie from The Last of Us TV show on HBO. You should talk about that. I agree. Thank you so much, Hulking Yoda, because, yes, if you haven't seen it, you see Pedro Pascal, you see Bella Ramsey. It's from behind, but you see them as Joel and Ellie looking out at it looks like a crashed airplane far off in the distance. Gamers, I gotta be honest with you, I got stoked because The Last of Us Part 1 and Part 2 are two of my favorite games of all time. I mean, it's right there when I say, hey, why am I a PlayStation guy? Yo, look at these two games. And really, yeah, the gameplay is fantastic in both games, but it's that story and those characters that I just connect with. So I'm very excited. I think it was a great idea, by the way, to move this from a potential movie that was announced in like 2014, maybe 2015, and make it into a TV show. I think it just works better. You're able to more flesh out the characters, flesh out this story, and it just has me so excited. Now, the picture had me excited because it just felt like they were capturing Joel and Ellie. And again, you don't see their face, but you see the clothes and the flannel and you know the dirtiness to it because hey in this kind of world you're not really cleaning clothes man you're just putting on what what works and i think it looks awesome they had their backpacks i think all of that looks great that crashed airplane really spoke to me as well and i'll talk about why uh in a little bit but you know what as far as the casting goes i'm pretty excited bella ramsey in game of thrones was actually really awesome she was a tough little girl and that's what ellie's got to be now i know ellie in the original game is i believe 13 years old bella ramsey in real life is 17 so i don't know if she's going to be playing 13 or if they're going to kind of age ellie up a little bit but i'm excited either way i think it's going to work really well because i think she has the right acting chops to pull off ellie pedro pascal i'm actually excited because yes i know everybody loves him in the mandalorian but i'm actually going to refer you to wonder woman 84 and I get it, you know, that movie wasn't the greatest, I understand that. But in that movie, the main thing he wanted to do was take care of his son. Everything he did was about his son. It wasn't just about being powerful, he wanted to do right by his son. And gamers, that is important to Joel because that is exactly what Joel is doing. The second half of this game is trying to make things right with Ellie, trying to take care of her. That's his little girl in his eyes. And I just, I think it's going to be great. I think the casting is going to be awesome. I can't wait to really get to see that first trailer and get to see how they interact with each other but let's talk about this and my big thing is i hope they get the feel right and what i mean by that is they can't hold anything back this is a brutal brutal world right and you've got to show what makes it brutal one of the first things that pops in my head is we got to have that david issue we got to see ellie get captured by this guy being friendly and then him kind of turn into a very nefarious character whether he was going to cannibalize Ellie or do even worse with a young girl, 
we have to see that. We have to see Ellie in that situation where she has to fight for her life. We have to see Joel get there just a little too late, but also there to comfort Ellie when she needs it. We have to see that brutal stuff. I want to. We got to see Joel. He has to sit there and be extremely brutal when he saves Ellie from the docks. And now here's what I'm trying to say with this. In the first game, Naughty Dog refers to it as a game about love, right? The love of Joel and Ellie. In the second game, they refer to it as hate. I need the scene where Joel saves Ellie to be him infecting this show with pure hatred. And I say that because, you know, let's just say that it's one final episode with him being like, hey, I got to go save her. And he's going to fight a bunch of people. Now, the Fireflies, when they're shooting at him, you know, in our mind, we're going to realize that they're soldiers. So this is just one soldier taking on many soldiers. We're going to root for him. He's the underdog. And these guys have guns. And they're the bad guys. So we're cool with it. But when he goes in that hospital room, it's a different switch, man. I mean, something's changed here. Because I know when I played the game, my daughter was was a newborn. And I remember thinking, dude, I would just be blowing everybody away. And that's exactly what I did. I needed it to feel like that. When Pedro Pascal, as Joel, kicks that door in, I mean, he just needs to bam, 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 all the nurses. That doc needs to throw his hands up and boom, right in the head, gunshot. I mean, these guys are civilians. They're not soldiers. They're not trying to do any wrong. They're trying to do what they think is best for the world. It just happens to be that, you know, Ellie, unfortunately, would have to pass away to make it happen. But Joel has to infect that hatred. Because one thing I think would be so cool is if, this, again, I don't know if this is going to be a season that they're trying to cover the entire uh, first game or if they're going to break the first game up into multiple seasons, but I would love to see a slow build towards Abby. Ooh, I know some of you guys might be like, I hate Abby, I hate Abby. Look, I loved Abby. I know Hulking Yoda loved Abby as well. I just, I want to see her character build into it. The way I think it would be very interesting to do this is to actually have these almost dream sequences. After you see this sweet sequence... Joel would actually wake up, right? So you're kind of thinking this is a dream. But what I would like it to be is, you know, you see a little girl. You see her playing with her father. But you're not really seeing pictures. Nothing's too clear, right? Again, it's almost like a dream. What I would like to see is after, maybe the end of the season or end of season two, whenever Joel has saved Ellie and they're on the way out, maybe almost like a, a stinger, if you will. At the end of the credits, you see a young girl from the dreams has run into the room with her father on the ground, and it's Abby. And now we know where the game's going to go. We see it's going to get dark and twisted because that second game is about hate, and Joel just infected the show with it. I just, oh, I really want to see that because I want to see them take that story that way. Because ultimately, yes, Joel has to die the way he died because it is a brutal world. He just did something very brutal. And unfortunately, as we learn in the second game, hate and revenge it's worthless. So him trying to get his revenge is going to cause somebody else to get their revenge and just it's this vicious cycle. So I really want to see that played out. But let's talk about some things I don't want to see. I don't want the show to get too political. And I, you know, this is just me speaking. It just seems like so many shows now, everything is so political. And we're talking about a pandemic in this uh, show. So, oh, I really don't want to see a lot of perils COVID. And I, I just don't want to see that. I want this to really be focusing on the game and the characters and the stuff that they're doing. I don't want it to become over the top with it. I also, I want them to do right by Ellie. And I'm assuming Bill is going to be in this game. And not make their, you know, the fact that she's a lesbian. And the fact that he's gay. I don't want that to become like all their characters about. Like, yes, that is an important part of them. But sometimes shows, they try to get too political and make it too big of a deal. Like, let's make that important to them. But let's not make that the overall theme of the show. 
so let's just kind of keep it moving forward with it. And ultimately, I don't want them to forget what this game is. This first game is all about love. It's got to be building towards the fact that Joel is still not over his daughter's death in the beginning of the game. And then at that point, halfway through, he is going to see Ellie as that adoptive daughter. But the important thing is, and that some people miss this, is in the beginning of the first game, Ellie warms up to Joel a lot quicker. And she starts to see him as that father figure, that mentor. But Joel takes longer. But then once Joel has kind of seen that, Ellie has just went through the stuff she went through with David. So she is inherently different. She's a lot more closed off. I think they need to kind of really reflect that. Like, Joel finally realizes, hey, I got somebody I can actually care about. I can open up. But it might be too late. And that's only going to make matters worse when Joel makes a decision he does at the end of that game or at the end of this season or two seasons, whatever it may be. So I want to see that. However, there's some things that I do also want to see them do, and I want them to use this as a way to flesh out some side stories. Now, I don't want to see a lot of like episodes that are just kind of pointless and just, oh, here's what's going on here. But I think it would be awesome to see some more survivors and kind of understand how people have survived in this world and maybe kind of show us a little bit more of what's happening outside of just Joel and Ellie in this main story. Maybe it's through just conversations or whatnot. But most importantly, man, seeing that plane, it made me think that we are going to see environmental storytelling. And guys and girls, that is the most important thing about this for me because one thing I absolutely loved about the first game and even in the second game is that environmental storytelling filled in so many gaps. Like, you just realized how brutal, and I keep saying how brutal that world is because of the way they use the environment. I want to see some of that here. For example, I want an entire episode where they're in the sewers. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, in the first game, they sat there and they find a ship. And you can find some notes in the ship. And then that takes them into a sewer. And you basically get the story of this one guy finds a sewer entrance. He becomes kind of the head of a community as they start bringing in people. I mean, they have a little school set up. They have a place for people to live, people to work. I mean, they have everything going in the sewer system, and it's going great. And then one infected person gets in, and it just collapses. And we don't see any of this. We just see the fallout, including one point when you go into the room where the nursery and the kids are, and somebody's had to deal with the decision of killing the kids so the clickers and the infected doesn't get to them. Oh, it's just heartbreaking stuff. I want to see that in the game because that to me is so pivotal. In the game itself, it actually made me go back to the beginning and start making sure I got all the collectibles because it was so powerful. I want to see that in the show. At the same time, there's that father's note. It was in one of the houses where you're exploring. You see a note and the dad's like, kids, stay in the house. Do not go out. I have to go find us some food. Please don't leave. What happened there? You're not going to know, but it's one of those things that just as a father, it grips you like that is such an unenviable position to be in. Like you have to leave your kids where they could be, you know, devoured by monsters. But if you don't, you're all going to starve and you could die. And, and oh, gee, oh, man, it's just a heartbreaking thing. I want to see stuff like that. I want them to go to the college campus where they're going to hear the voice recorders where the scientists are trying, but they are just not figuring out how to stop this virus. And you can hear the desperation in them, all of that stuff has to happen now one thing that they could do to improve upon the original game is very simple they can change those opening levels with joel and tessa now look the original game is awesome it's a masterpiece we all know this but going back and replaying it last year i was kind of shocked at how many hours you actually spend 
as just Joel and Tessa before you get to Ellie and before you really start their adventure. Now, I'm not saying I don't want to spend time with Tessa because I love her as a character, but I am just saying, like, I think for the sake of the show, within the first episode, maybe by the second episode, we need to see Ellie and Joel together. By the end of the second episode, I think they need to start their journey. I think if we just kind of prolong that too long, and I understand trying to build the world and build characters, but we also know where this story goes, and everybody is not really looking forward to the beginning of this game. They're looking for that journey. So I think the show needs to kind of make sure their pace is flowing there. And once we get on the journey, then yeah, let's take the time to smell the roses. Let's get some character build up. Let's figure out some things, but let's just kind of get there quicker sooner than later i guess i should say i don't want it to be too quick but i just i don't want it to stall at all either now i told you that i had some ideas for the last of us three and you know what here it is the first game was love the second game was hate the third game i would love to see hope and the way i'd like to see hope being shown is i would like the chance to play as joel in the past and ellie in the present day and i would like to see joel be a little bit more brutal him and tommy are trying to set up a community at the same time they're kind of working with the Fireflies. But I also want to see Joel doing things that he mentioned in the first game. I want to see him on both sides of that ambush as he described it to Ellie. I just want to see Joel as he's just kind of part of, unfortunately, why humanity is kind of doomed at this point where it's all about me, all about mine, and if you're trying to mess with us, you're done. I think that would just be a very interesting way. You could have some great combat. You could have some great stuff. I don't want Joel to be a bad guy by any means, but I, I just want him to be really focused on protecting what he's got. Meanwhile, in the present day, I want to see Ellie also working for a community, and I definitely want to see her taking out clickers, and there's going to be some raiders or whatever, but at the end of it, I want to see her convert that main antagonist that she has. Maybe make them part of her community in a way of like how The Walking Dead has done with Negan, where it starts off a certain way, but it really starts working together. They become a very helpful part I just think that that would add the hope back in the world. And I think if they were to make it the third and final in the series, like kind of closing out a trilogy, it would end the game in such a great way that, hey, you know, we came from this, we survived all of that, but we still have hope. Humanity has hope. And I would think that would just be such a cool way to go about this game. Alright gamers, let's talk about the Graveyard Shift and what I've been playing this week. And I gotta tell you, I meant to mention it last week, but I forgot. But I've actually been playing some Mario Odyssey. And I gotta tell you, I've not played a Mario game in so long. I mean, in all honesty, I think I played a couple hours of Mario Sunshine back on the GameCube way back in the day. But really, it would probably be potentially Mario 64. And honestly, if I'm being real, more like Super Mario on the super nintendo to go back even farther now don't get me wrong i had like super mario brothers on like this wii and all that stuff and that was cool but it wasn't that full-on mario experience but mario odyssey has been a ton of fun i love the platforming in the game i love collecting the coins the way you interact with enemies and the bosses are actually really cool really creative it really kind of again just kind of makes me go why was i skipping on these platforming games for so long and mario was like the granddaddy of them all not only that but let me just say and I've only been playing in handheld mode. So I will eventually put it on the TV to kind of see the difference in, you know, using the Joy-Cons that way and also the graphics. But on an actual handheld mode, oh my word, 
the graphics kind of blow me away. I was not expecting that. You always kind of hear how, oh, Switch is okay. The graphics aren't the best compared to PlayStation 4, 5, or Xbox. I'm impressed with the details on the Switch, at least in handheld mode, because, man, that T-Rex, when you control them, like, you can just see all the details in them. So I'm going to have to put it on the TV and see what kind of upgrades it does but i've really kind of went through about two worlds i've just enjoyed doing all this stuff uh, i've really had a great time with it there's secrets and different ways to find yourself getting around different areas it's just it's fun it really truly is fun so great time with that other than that last weekend you know what i decided that i wanted to do a god of war franchise episode but it's been so long since i played god of war one two and three that i didn't feel right talking about them without refreshing myself so the plan was to spend a couple hours on each of those games what ended up happening is i start with god of war one and i'm playing through and i'm kind of digging it and i'm like all right i'm just gonna play till this point i get to that point and i go you know what i'm gonna play till i'm done with athens get done with athens and it was like all right i'm just gonna get through the desert and then eventually it was like you know what stop you're at pandora's temple just play through the game and gamers i gotta tell you i was surprised at how much i had remembered how much i had actually forgotten and how much i had misremembered about that game I do have a retro review coming out in the next couple weeks for that game, so be on the lookout for that. But I've decided to hold off on that franchise episode because I'm going to play through God of War 2 and I'm going to play through God of War 3 because I just, I'm shocked at how much of that game I had forgotten in the original God of War. So I want to fully experience that original trilogy again before I do a franchise episode. And I'm actually very excited to start God of War 2 in the next coming weeks. On top of reviews, I was actually able to get through and play all of Resident Evil Village this past week, and I do have a review coming out this week for it, and I want to talk about the DualSense controller because, unfortunately, I forgot to mention it in my review, but they do such a great job with it. With the guns especially is where you really feel it, and between the haptic feedback when you fire the gun and those adaptive triggers. Gamers, when you sit there and you shoot with a handgun, those triggers are going to feel different than a shotgun. And a shotgun's going to feel different than a sniper rifle. And here's the cool part. If you really pay attention, as you upgrade each weapon, they individually start to feel different as well. Like, I mean, it was really well done how they did it. Uh, not a fault to the game, but I do think they could have used the motion controls on these one puzzles you had to do. I think it would have actually helped the game play out a little bit. But again, it's not a detriment to the game. It's just one of those things of going, man, like the dual sense when developers get behind it is such a game changer now speaking of resident evil i was high on the resident evil village i just kind of was like all right man you know i, I want to play something classic resident evil i'd never actually played resident evil 6 and i know it's got its negativity that's one of the reasons why i never did play it the main reason i started it and made it about 15 minutes and my xbox 360 suffered its final red ring of death so i never got back to it but i started it yesterday i gotta say i am enjoying the actual combat of the game and not that the overabundance of it, but I love the fact that you have, at least with Leon, a lot of melee attacks. So if you're trying to conserve your ammo or you're low on ammo or whatever it may be, and you got like one lone zombie up, boom, you can kick them. And I'm talking like Shawn Michaels' sweet chin music. Or if they got a weapon, man, you can like do like a turnaround and grab them and bash them in the head with it. I've done RKOs like I'm Randy Orton or DDP with a diamond cutter on zombies. Like, I'm like, wow, like they have a lot of like management for clearing out like a few zombies here and there. Uh, I will say, I can definitely tell the influence of multiplayer in the game, but not in the negative way. And I say that because like there's certain games I've pointed out in the past where like they really want you to play multiplayer, so 
the way you fight enemies, the way the game will stall to have a bunch of enemies and just kind of force you to want to have a friend with you, I don't feel that way. I just mean like the way the menu system has changed, the way the inventory system is, like all that is to incorporate having somebody drop in, drop out with you. So it hasn't been a hamper to me, but I can definitely see that influence there. But overall, I am actually digging the game for at least the first couple hours. We'll see how it goes. But let me just say, I did have one moment this morning that frustrated me. The game has checkpoints and it's got save points and they are different because you do not save if you exit at a checkpoint. And I learned that because after spending about 20 minutes, 25, 30, I don't know, somewhere around in there, it was time for me to go to work, got to a checkpoint, I was like, sweet, exited out and something made me go, you know what, I just don't know. Went back into the game and yeah, that 20 to 30 minutes were just gone. So a little frustrating, but hey, that's a lesson learned and 20 and 30 minutes, it's not the end of the world to replay that real quickly. Also, I finally got a chance to get back to Yakuza 3. I gotta tell you, I am loving the story. The story is extremely intriguing. There's kind of this mystery of, you got two people that were shot. But the person that everybody is saying shot the person is somebody that, you're just going, there's no way. And look, let me just say this. Because saying that, I know some people would go, well, is it trying to say Kiru did it? No, it's not him. It is somebody from Yakuza Kiwami 1 that, when you see, you're just like, there's just no way that person did it. So I'm very interested. I want to keep exploring, want to keep going with the story because it has probably gripped me very similar to the way Kiwami 2 gripped me uh, story-wise. Gameplay-wise, you know what? I still think it's really solid. I think the bosses kind of block a little bit more than necessary, but for the most part, man, it's still super solid. love the fighting in these games. Uh, my one thing is, though, I feel like it's going to be the shortest of this series so far at least in terms of story i i noticed that there's a few times where i go to a uh a cut scene and i'll see a cut scene and it's the end of the chapter sweet then you start the next chapter and you see a cut scene and the game will have you run somewhere you run there maybe you get in a couple of street fights when you get somewhere you might get in a small fight and the cut scene and that's the end of that chapter so it seems like the game moves at a, a lot quicker pace than the previous ones i've played However, at the same time, I mean, I'm still doing sub-stories. There's still plenty of stuff to kind of, you know, fill your time in. And honestly, I'm fine. If the game is a 20-hour story as opposed to a 40-hour story, but there's no fluff, perfectly fine with that. Because the one thing I would say about Yakuza 6 is it had a little too much going in the story that it kind of took the direction from the important part of the story and put it on something that I didn't find as important. So I do appreciate Yakuza 3 having that more solid, cohesive story. And I got to tell you, I love Majima. It seems like almost every time they introduce him, you're in the mindset that he's screwing you over and you realize he's not. He's your boy. He's going to fight you. You are definitely going to fight Majima. But then he's going to laugh and he's going to tell you everything going on. And it's just like, what a great character. It almost makes me wish we'd have got a different version of Majima in Yakuza 0. Like, I'm, I'm actually glad we got the version we got. But if you've played 0, you know that that Majima and the Majima we have now are almost night and day uh, in a way. So definitely enjoying it so far. And then I've been playing a lot of Sackboy, A Big Adventure. Look, like I talked about with Mario, I just enjoy the platformers. And this game is just fun. Like this game is a perfect game. Where you're like, you know what? I got 20, 30 minutes to play. I don't really want to start anything serious. What can I play? You can probably get through a couple of levels in this game. It's just fun. I enjoy trying to find how am I going to get to the different dreamer orbs, which there's about three to five in each one. I enjoy trying to get through the different goals of the game, which is like, you know, you want to get bronze, silver, or gold. And the cool thing is, is you know, so that might be like a hundred of the, we'll call them little orbs in the, in the game. 
but there might be, you know, you need to get a thousand, you get two thousand, you get three thousand, whatever it may be. It's really cool to see if you can get that in each one. Now, I will say I kept replaying them because if I died before the first checkpoint, I was trying to complete the entire level without dying because I thought that was a big trophy. There is one, but it's not in the same way that I thought. Like, I thought you had to get everything, all the dreamer orbs, all the, you know, the goals, get all the costumes and not die. And that's not the case. Uh, so, interestingly enough, it doesn't really change too much. It just means I'm probably not going to restart the level so many times because I probably played a couple of levels way more than I needed to, uh, thinking that I had to play without dying. So it is what it is, but absolutely a fun game. If you enjoy platformers, I definitely think you should check it out. I think if you have a PlayStation 5, I think you should check out Sackboy for a couple of reasons. One, yes, it's a great platformer. It's a lot of fun, but it truly is a PlayStation game because the way it incorporates the activity cards, even now with the new trophy tracking system, it does a great job with that. And it just feels PlayStation. It's just really cool. Plus the developers. I love when you play a game and the developers make it feel like a community. If you reach out to them in Twitter. Or there's been times I've shared pictures and they have seen it. And they have retweeted it or commented on it. Like it just, it feels like a cool community. So definitely loving Sackboy. Definitely highly recommend it. So gamers, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I would love to know your thoughts on The Last of Us TV show. Are you excited for it? Do you wish it had stayed a movie? Do you just wish they'd have just kept games as games and movies and shows as movies and shows? Reach out to me. Let me know. TheGraveyardGamerGmail.com, TheGraveyardGamer on Instagram, or TheGraveyardG on Twitter. Till next time, gamers, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.